Blog Talk Radio. Doing that a couple of times. Here we go. This is All About Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. All right. I was just, while that was on, I was watching the live podcast go through on Facebook. And Hmm. I have to say, if you all wanted yourself a good laugh, follow the show on Facebook and read the automatic generated captions. Oh, no. What the heck? Well, I don't know what's going on. It just, it just changes words. It's just like, you know, it doesn't know what it, what a word is, and so it just throws anything out there. And it just mm. it, it gets funny. It really it really does. So, uh, oh, great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if, uh, if you uh, want to try to follow us and want a good laugh, then just tune in to the Facebook Live podcast and then just read the captions don't listen to me just read the captions and you go what what's that hmm. you know so <laughs> <All right. laughs> okay yeah, I I just... what it said because it, I, I have read it during the actual show itself but I never oh uh, yeah never was well the opening too it just it, I, i've followed that okay. a few times and it changes stuff and makes up a word here or there or something and Coins a phrase, you might say. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, welcome to All About Wine. We are live. It is now Thursday evening, 7.02 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on July the 29th, 2021. So if you want to call us, then don't we're not going to answer but you can text us or you can write this or you can leave a message whatever and we will answer your questions and comments and everything and if you want to get a hold of me you can always go to all about wine uh 101 at gmail.com and i will get in touch with you and let's make comments or anything and if you know anybody who wants to be on the show or anybody who would like to be on the show or anybody who knows something about wine or anything like that then email us and we'll be in touch we'll schedule a time when they can get on the program which like someone just Mm -hmm. did we're going to have a guest hopefully in two weeks from tonight we should have a guest so we're making the plans and arrangements for that even as we speak so uh, I went to uh, I went to an Italian restaurant last night 
over in uh, Kissimmee, Florida, which is uh, south of uh, south of Orlando. It's called the the Italian Joint. So you can imagine what they serve there. Yes, they do serve Italian food. It was very delicious. But on the door, they had a big a big sign on their door saying VIP wine tasting. And I thought, oh, I thought it was that night, but apparently. Uh, and I got to tell you, the traffic in Kissimmee is the worst I think I've ever experienced. In the whole um, wide world. I agree in the whole wide world. The worst. I have never. I was coming back from St. Cloud. um at the some kind of TSA thing to get a, a the whatever they call it the fast pass for TSA, and um, it's coming back and I go oh I'll cut through Kissimmee and blah 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 and it took me through downtown and I was like oh this is really nice little downtown, passed by the restaurant before I got hungry, and ran into traffic, and that was when the problem started. So I already passed the place, mm-hmm. and I rerouted. I was, you know I was thinking oh let me go you know find a place to eat and found one and uh, rerouting you know that kind of stuff. Six and a half hours later, I wind up back in downtown. <laughs> oh my god! Like, it was. It, it took. I think it took an hour to circle back around and get to it. John Young Parkway was messed up. Uh, some other, all these little streets and stuff. I was taking back roads, and you know the the stupid GPS was saying, "Oh, turn right." And I go, "No, I don't want to turn right. I want to go this way," <laughs> but, um, because. It wanted me to cross over four lanes of traffic at a stop sign, and that's out of my vocabulary. I do not yeah. do that. Oh, yeah. And I look down the street. It wants me to turn on. I'm like, no, <laughs> that, if that if it doesn't have a stoplight. I'm not dealing with it. So exactly. Driving, Especially in Kissimmee. I know. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's stupid. I, yeah. I, and, and it's a major road. It's just it's, – it's the worst I've ever been. At first, I-4 got stuck in going to St. Cloud, and then coming back, it was like, oh, there's – I wanted to avoid I-4, so I thought, oh, uh, fine. Oh, that was the worst. Uh, but uh, this place is a nice little place. There's parking up in front, you know, on the street, right in downtown Kissimmee. And it's a, it's a quaint-looking town downtown. Yeah, and, it's nice. um, what a But it had this sign on there, and it is uh, Wednesday, August the 18th. They have oh. a professional sommelier uh, they have a live guitarist playing blues and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Uh, uh, it's supposed to be it, it's supposed to be a big deal there. But, um, yeah, VIP wine tasting, if you're in the Kissimmee area, um, do it. But 8 p.m., 8.30 p.m., I believe it starts. So you may want to you may want to start getting there like noon. Know, 12 noon. Yeah. 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 And uh, <laughs> it's right there on Broadway. In Kissimmee, and you know, I didn't tell him I was going to say anything, but uh, I just I was catching it, and I go, "Oh my gosh, they have a wine, you know, and um, pretty interesting stuff." But uh, really small, but uh, very very nice place. It was good. That sounds like it'd be a good chance. Anybody in Central Florida coming up on in, mm-hmm. what three weeks? Yeah, you know, in three weeks, uh, and yeah. that would be a great thing to do because the little Italian restaurant probably is going to be pulling out some of their good Italian wines and oh, the yeah. song you can um, tell people about them and all that. that. That sounds like a great venue yeah. and a great, great opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and uh, reservations are required. So, and it is limited capacity. It's not a big place, uh, but you know, they have a few tables, but it's not, it's not that big, but uh, they have a nice, nice little bar um, and they serve other types of drinks. But uh, the, the wine, I thought, Oh, that would be uh, pretty good. Uh, 
Name of the restaurant again is? It is the Italian Joint. The Italian Joint. The Italian Joint Ristorante. And it's right, or Pizza Pizza Ronte? Oh, I'll finish that part. Okay. Pizza Ronte. But, um, yeah, really, uh, the food was great. But it was a little bit on the high side, I think, uh, as far as goes. But uh, it, it it was uh, it, it's a good place. So yeah, um, yeah. I, 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 I want to revisit. I, mean, I, a... <laughs> I, I want to revisit that traffic in, in Kissimmee. I oh. took the Florida Turnpike. This was you know two or three months ago, and if you go straight ahead on the Florida Turnpike, it eventually dumps you into I four. But what it does is it puts you almost north of Orlando. Then you got to come back. Mm-hmm. Well, I figured I would circumvent that and take 192. Mm. That was a mistake that I will never ever do again. 192 cuts right through Kissimmee. Yeah, and oh my, it took us it took us four hours to get out of Kissimmee. It was a Saturday afternoon. And Ooh. the traffic on every street was packed, and the GPS said, turn left up here. And it was like it, the GPS told me that a half a block from turning left, and I'm in the right-hand lane, okay? So yeah. you don't turn left. You you turn yeah. right and cut around the blocks two or three times, come back and hit the light, then you go through. But it was unbelievable. Kissimmee is just the traffic there sure. is one of the worst I've ever seen in my life anywhere. Yeah. yeah. So I hit it. I hit it probably about uh, four thirty, five o'clock <sighs> on the way to St. Cloud, and uh, it was just—you might as well camp and, and just wait, mm-hmm. uh, you know, midnight one or so, and and then make a run for it. But uh, just ridiculous. Um, it, it is. Uh, but, you know. Something new, and and uh, you know, I never knew downtown Kissimmee looked like that. The historic district, I guess it is. I don't, I don't know, or maybe that's the main downtown. But uh, yeah, it's a neat that. little town. It really is. I mean, yeah. whenever like different a, places list mm-hmm. quaint towns, they always, you know, Kissimmee's usually one of the, on the list. But uh, boy, yeah. the traffic. Well, those is. are people. Those are people who don't have to drive in Kissimmee. Yeah, they, there you go. They yeah. actually. Rate the That's town it. by you know driving, it would never make the list. Never, what yeah. It, they would have to blow it up and start all over, you know. Um, and then Sunrail going adjacent to the Sunrail, I, I I didn't know it went through. You know, mm. I I hadn't seen a Sunrail train except on TV a couple of times, but all of a sudden this thing's just blazing down the tra- tracks, just blazing, like, wow. and loud. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Uh, and you're going, what um, was that? <laughs> yeah. Every five minutes, one was going one way, one was going the other, and uh, turn, and there's the track. And I thought, well, that's why we're we're kind of waiting also. We're waiting for this thing to go every five yeah. minutes. So, and it um, stops all the traffic in all directions for it to fly <laughs> by you. And, uh, yeah. Yep. It's just unbelievable. You mentioned something there, though, that I have to address. You said you got a TSA pass. You going somewhere? Yes, uh, in September, uh, when is it? September? I don't know, September 23rd, uh, San Diego. I will, oh! uh, 
give you some more info on that because it it will uh, more than likely affect my uh, my show appearance that that week that week um, like the twenty third twenty fourth I forgot what day it is but uh, yeah go in there till for a week so um, oh well there's all, all sorts of language there maybe you can check out really uh, yeah yeah there's oh, there's language around there. So uh, go to Catch Wine in, in uh, Southern California, San Diego, and see see what's down there. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out. Uh, see if I can get get away and, and uh, check some uh, California wines out. That would be. I mean, that's yeah. you know way far from Napa, but you know I'm sure they have something there. Um, they do. I, yeah. I know they do in that area. In fact, you're seeing okay. different things pop up talking about wines around San Diego more and more. So. Mm-hmm. So it might be something to check out. Well, you know, something to look forward to. We'll we'll look forward to hearing more about your scheduled trip then coming up. And uh, you mentioned your your program. We haven't mentioned in a long time your radio show that you do. Um, oh, that's yeah. you know, uh, Every you still doing it on Saturday mornings? Saturday mornings, uh, seven a.m. to nine nine something a.m. Eastern time on uh, Jetstream Radio. Uh, so that changed, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's really great following. I mean, I'm I'm at, at the end of my little two hours, I'm like worn out because of you know chatting and you know talking to people and taking notes, and I'm like, oh my god, it's huh. busy. <laughs> Why <used to> that? <laughs> but, well, uh, it was picking up know, before, but yeah, yeah. Oh, this this was from day one. It's been nonstop, and it's great. I mean, I I love the interaction and. Uh, you know, I actually have that feedback and everything, and uh, it's a good bunch. So, yeah, really a and good move there. He, he plays requests, people, and he, he you know, and like he said, he chats with you, and he'll, uh, you know, engage yeah. with you and all that. And so, uh, Jetstream Radio, uh, yeah. I think you got it. It's a free app. You, you don't have to pay for anything. Yeah. It's a free app. You can download yeah. it. And, and yeah. Mike is on Saturday mornings, 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. So, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I listen to it on my phone on uh, TuneIn, but they have TuneIn, and uh, they have their own app over for iOS. So if you're on an Apple user, they have it there and listen to it on the web. But uh, um, big following. I mean, they, they have a – there's a ton of listeners uh, on and it. And worldwide, that's, too. That's I a, mean, it's not, it's not yeah. just, you know, American yep. – uh, listeners, it's you get you were saying you get people tuned in from all over the world on that. Yeah, most Not, most of it's uh, England and the UK, and then uh, there's that goes all the way to Australia, which by the way is 14 hours ahead of us. I found out. So come <laughs> 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 on, Ed. Eight, Seven a.m. our time is nine p.m. their time. The next day, no, it's the same day. No, it's the next day. Yeah, that evening. Wait, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's that evening. But uh, I was thinking the other way because I have a meeting with someone 7 p.m. my time on Friday, which is 9 a.m. the next day their time. Uh I'm going to convert that. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what do I tell them what time it is? Anyway. um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, not unlike All About Wine, where we have listeners all over the world, but you engage in yours continuously. So that's that's cool. A lot. Um, speaking of wine. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> we talked uh, about we talked about the uh, we the, talked about the, you know, the, yeah, the about tasting, tasting coming up. Yeah, yeah, and a live yeah. guitarist that I mentioned that I don't know. I should have told him last night. He's like, hey, I'm going to talk about you guys. Um, oh well, <laughs> I, oh, I wasn't oh, thinking. Uh, yeah, oh well. Um, <laughs> <call>. I, I <laughs> before we go any further, I have to <laughs> make a major apology. Uh-oh. When I got off the show last week, I sat here and I was went back and I was starting to read some articles. And when I started to read one of the articles, I went, oh, my gosh, what a faux pas on my part. I had a major, major brain fart. Ooh. I was talking about kava, yes, I, and I caught it, and, and, and I felt like, jumping back on and, and hooking back up and saying, people, people, I'm sorry. But I waited patiently until this week. Last week I was talking about kava and about how it was changing and all that. And I mentioned kava was around the champagne area and you could, you know, it's almost as good as champagne, but, uh, you know, it's not. Kava is Spanish sparkling wine. Nothing to do with the champagne area. I, I was thinking Cremant. And that is around the Champagne area. Cava is Spanish, and I once I realized my mistake, I went, "Oh my gosh, I'm I would be surprised if I didn't get a dozen emails saying, "What the heck is wrong with you, guy?" I just I I don't know what happened with my brain. It just it didn't work right there, and so Cava um, huh. is Spanish. In fact, I'm going to address a little bit more about Cava here, you know, during the show, but. But I need to apologize because I kept saying Cava was around the Champagne region of France and it's on the outskirts and all that. That is Crement and uh, Crement or Crement or however they pronounce it. And it's, you know, Cava is Spanish. So please accept my apology. And if you went out and started talking about Cava around the Champagne area this past week, uh, based on what I said, and people started calling you an idiot. You said, "Well, Ron said so." Ron was wrong. I, I made a boo boo. So I wanted to get that out of the way before we go any further. Too, Mike and I were talking before the show about the fact that we have not kept you up to date on some of our guests that we had uh, toward the end of last year, and some of the books and movies and things that they presented, and were uh, uh, promoting, I guess, is the best word for it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to turn this over to Mike for a little bit, let him tell you about our yeah. uh, list of guests we had uh, last year mm-hmm. and all the stuff that they have to offer. I grab my list here, and there we go. I got my list and put the record on the turntable and the needle. Take a deep breath. All right, let's try this. Okay, back in October, co-directors Mark Johnson and Mark Ryan and writer Michael Karam were on the show October 8, 2020. The movie Wine and War, the untold story of wine in the Middle East, is about survival, resilience, and struggles. Wine has been in Lebanon culture for 7,000 years. They are raising money for CAPHO, a great organization, and you can go to wineandwar.com wineandwar.com click the watch now button 
and that'll take you to uh, where you need to go to to watch it. On October the 15th, Jim Lochran was on the show. He's a certified wine educator and author. You can visit jimlochran.com. That's Jim, L-A-U-G-H-R-E-N.com. And uh, he has uh, two book, two quick books right now out uh, called The 15-Minute Guide to Red Wine, which is uh, only 28 pages uh, of good reading, and 15-Minute Guide to White Wine, which is another uh, quick read and a handy reference to have as well. Check that out on uh, Amazon. On October 29th, we welcomed Joy Neighbors to our Halloween special. Uh, she is the author of The Family Tree Cemetery Field Guide, how to find, record, and preserve your ancestors' graves, including topics to plan your trip to the cemetery, research, make sense of your research, and digging deeper into other records or preserving uh, cemeteries. It's available at Barnes & Nobles, Amazon, and other outlets. On November 19th, we welcomed Michael Brown, author of Pinot Rocks, and he's also a winemaker. The book is available on Amazon.com. Pinot Rocks is available in any format, and the audio format is great because William Shatner did the audiobook version of his book. That's right, Captain Kirk. On January 14th, we had a great conversation with Cap Kaplowitz, a podcaster and blogger of cigars, spirits, coffee, and wine. And All About Wine's own show host, Ron, is also the wine panelist on the show. For more information, visit kaplowitz.xyz. That's K-A-P-L-O-W-I-T-Z.xyz. On February 11th, 2021, we had founder and producer of Beer, Wine, and Spirits, Jeff Bradford, on the show, the filmmaker dedicated to revealing the stories behind the labels of our favorite drinks. On February 25th, we welcome Natalie McLean, podcast host of the popular Unreserved Wine Talk. She's also an author of Red, White, and Drink All Over and Unquenchable, a tipsy quest for the world's best bargain wine, plus several quick reads available on her website. She is also the wine expert on CTV's The Social, which is Canada's largest daytime television show, CTV News, and Global Television's Morning Show. You can pick up her Ultimate Food and Wine Pairing Guide for free by visiting her website at nataliemclean.com forward slash all about wine. That's natalie, M-A-C-L-E-A-N.com forward slash all about wine. Very good. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. And that, that's been just some oh, of the guests God. we've had over the 10 years that we've been on the show, 10 years plus, mm -hmm. actually 11 years plus. Just some of the guests. Yeah. Those are the ones most recent, and those are all still available. So if you get an yeah. opportunity to get a chance, check any of those out, and uh, I'm sure it will be an enjoyable view or read or whatever you happen to do. I received a postcard, which I thought was really cool. It is from a company called GoFermentor.com, uh, Go and it's they're, they're advertising an advanced wine fermenter. It automatically punches down, uh, which means that whenever you have the juice sitting there with the skins and all that, it automatically punches it down to put so the skins just don't float on top. It mixes it up so it gives color. It's got a built-in press. You press a button, and it presses out the wine. Uh 
You don't have to do a separate cleaning or anything. There's no cleaning. It's a single-use liner, um, no wash or wastewater, environmentally friendly. And it's a quick, easy setup. Uh, it's a four-foot by four-foot base. And you just plug the thing in to a 110 volt, and it takes care of itself. Um, $2,970 which is the complete starter bundle. If you are a beginning winemaker and want to take care of everything in one big little package, that is the way to go. So just to let you know, you can get a hold of them at www.gofermenter, G-O-F-E-R-M-E-N-T-O-R.com. They're located where? They're located all over the place, France, Australia, and Georgia, Texas, and New York. So, oh, wait a minute. No, not that. Australia, France, and U.S. Okay. So, I got that, and it's a a really good little machine. If anybody's looking at making wine um, up to 150 gallons, which is you can make without the government coming in and arresting you for bootlegging. So you can do that. that. Do you age it and everything or? Yeah, it's, it's all, it looks like it's all within the one, one thing here. Uh, Set schedule on your smartphone uh, for it to punch Hmm. down remote on uh, monitoring app, uh, either Android or uh, Apple. And, uh, it uh, yields up to 150 gallons. Um, wow. Yeah, it's really, really, I was quite impressed. Uh, and for $3,000, that's really a, a good price for what you're getting. Because mm-hmm. if you buy the stuff separately that you need to do all that stuff, it's going to run into at least twice that. So it's mm-hmm. uh, they they offer other stuff too they they have a few other things but that was really an impressive little little machine they have there so just and they also sell the liner separately and uh the dip tubes and and uh, stuff like that so but anybody out there looking at making your own wine up to 150 gallons that is a good good way to do it i mean you can use it over and over again it's not going to end up costing you money and you know it's going to be clean and stuff which is always a problem too okay now i've got some stuff to tell you about here we're finally getting into wine only took us a half hour but uh we finally (laughs) finally getting into to wine here and let me pull these things up uh, let's see. Nope, that's not it. That's it. There we go. All right. I said I was going to address Cava again. Now, Cava is a Spanish sparkling wine. The article that I was looking at was uh, last week was Cava's last shot at survival. Cava, they're saying that Cava needs to rebrand itself. It is... Well, the article went on to say that it has settled into a nice, cozy little spot that is not banning it. 
it is a something that's been there for a long time. People just sort of go to it, but they don't really seek it. And the article went on to say that they need to do that. So back in 2012, a group realized that it needs to be done, so they started to do more. And what they're doing is starting to designate more areas as kava. They're starting to have stricter rules for kava. They're starting to have uh, higher end kava. Uh, instead of just the you know, $10, $12 bottles, they're starting to put the regulations on it so that they can be aged more or minimum aged. The reserve of wines must be aged for 18 months. Uh, all future Cava de Gordo Superior wines must be based on organically grown grapes. And uh, they are coming out with a whole list of new guidelines and rules that they hope will result in uh, making Cava premium. I I hate to say premium because just changing the rules doesn't automatically make it premium, but it can uh, end up with some top-end sparkling wine and people realize that it is. They're looking at aging better, using different grapes, using uh, some of the styles that has made different sparkling wines around the world uh, good. And so they are approaching it that way. So Cava, that's Spanish sparkling wine. And it's a, uh, uh, they're, they're looking at uh, changing, changing their, their, uh, their face. They've been settled into it, and it's been uh, good for so long, but they, they want to make people notice them, and they figured that that's going to happen. Okay. Uh, and then this is another thing that uh, Kava. There we go. New rules for Kava is coming into effect. Uh, in April, the Kava DO, which is uh, the DO is the uh, uh, designation for Kava uh, district. Uh, I don't know what it exactly stands for. I, I probably should have checked that out before then. But the, the new DO uh, comes into effect in April. Now, this is the first big shakeup of regulatory rules since the Cava deal was first created 30 years ago. So this is you know, quite a thing. Under the new regulations, new tiers of age wines are being introduced. Cava de Garda for Cavas that have been aged for more than nine months, while wines aged more than 18 months will be known as Cava de Garda Superior. Okay, these grapes for this top tier must come from wines that are at least 10 years old and grown organically uh, with five-year transition period and have uh, 
quantity yields of a maximum of 10,000 kilograms a hectare. So they're, they're really putting, I mean, all the way through, they're, they're changing the, the standards for kava. Uh, the long age category will include a kava's reserva, which is 18 months up from 15, and grand reserva, minimum of 30 months aging. And they also have a kava de, oh, Parasia califico, which comes from a special plot and it has to be aged a minimum of 36 months. So, wow. Uh, they announced that by 2025, Kava wines will be 100% organic, which is r really quite a leap, quite a, quite a jump there. So, uh, the... Javier uh, uh, Pages, president of the regulatory board, said that it, uh, it's something that needs to be done. It is the most demanding position, regulation in the world for quality DO sparkling wines using the strict traditional method, and that it will place the Cava DO at the forefront of quality of sparkling wine designations of origin. So, oh, there you go, DO, designation of origin. So, uh, uh, big shakeup on kava. But if you get kava, you know you're going to you get some really, really good stuff because they are really putting some effort into it and trying to give it a name. I mentioned last week that the tariffs have been settled, so we're not paying tariffs for the wines coming across. That has been going on for 17 years, and I said it was an airplane war. And it has been, basically. I uh, found out what happened was that, uh, let's see, I just saw it here. Uh, the uh, EU was giving, uh, was giving money, oh, here it is, uh, Airbus Boeing uh, was getting money from, the EU and the United States was backing up, well, Airbus, rather, was uh, getting money, and the U.S. was backing up Boeing, and so, therefore, it started this tariff war. I mean, you know, they, they weren't happy with the airplanes and what was going on there. So, uh, the dispute started, here it is, the dispute started in 2004 when the U.S. filed a complaint with the World Trade Organization about EU subsidies for Airbus. And then the EU said, no, you can't do that. I'm going to file a complaint against you about U.S. aiding Boeing. And so the World Trade Organization ruled several times that essentially both sides were in the wrong. But the tariffs started anyway. And so uh, the uh, also unresolved in the trade dispute uh, with several countries over digital services taxes. That dispute has seen the U.S. impose tariffs on wine glasses from Austria, but not on the wine themselves. So your glasses may cost you more, but the wine itself is not being tariffed. So it's childish. If you ask me, it's childish. The whole thing is, you know, leave our wine alone. We don't want to pay more money because you're mad because somebody's subsidizing an airplane. Uh, we don't care. So, but the tariffs have stopped. It has stopped for 
let's see, this is 2021 for five years. So in 2026, it is up to the president at that time to decide if he wants to just stop it or if he wants to start it again or whatever. So we will wait and see, but we've got ourselves a luxury of five years here without those um, silly games that they're playing. Uh, okay, let me go on to the next one here. And this blind ambition. Oh, I, I told you about this last week. This is the uh, Zimbabwe team on the Wine Olympics team. Now, this is really cool. Wineacuity.com, W-I-N-E-A-C-U-I-T-Y, wineacuity.com is the United States uh, link to the Wine Olympics. Uh, Zimbabwe came in and did a uh, a movie, actually, they, uh, uh, a movie about it, and they told about how they were doing all that. But this is really cool. If you haven't checked it out yet, check out the wineacuity.com website that tells you about, well, basically it's slanting toward the United States. But uh, you can also go to club, um, oh, geez, C-L-U-B-O-E-N-O-L-O-G-I-Q-U-E dot com. And that will take you to the uh, Zimbabwe site. And at the bottom of that, they also have a link to the Wine and War movie that Mike just was telling you about earlier, uh, the uh, film review and, and telling about that. So that's on that page also. But Wine Olympics, I never knew it existed until just last week, and we discovered that. And the mic found our wineacuity.com. So it is it's cool. It's, it's a cool site and a cool thing to check out. Okay, now let's see. What's this next one? Oh, here we go. We did an interview with Alabama Winery quite a few years ago. Jim Eden was our interviewer from Perdido Vineyards. There was a really good interview with him from a site called Uncharted Wines and Spirits. And this is a good site, by the way. Uncharted, U-N-C-H-A-R-T-E-D dash wines dot com. Check it out. They've got uh, wine reviews, spirit reviews, cocktail recipes, uh, different grapes, uh, interviews, uh, all that. It, it's, it really is an interesting site, but, but check it out. But interviewed Jim Edens, or Edens, I, I, I think it's Edens, and it was really an interesting interview. He talked about fighting the government, and that's one of the things when – we talked with him. He talked about fighting the government and how it went through and all that. And he talked about how the government has done things and what they've done to try to 
you know, curtail wine sales. And so the winery moved out of Alabama and moved just across the border into Florida because of Alabama's laws. Uh, they said that the uh, some costs of the taxes back in, in uh, 2001, the government repelled the 1979 Farm Winery Act. And so immediately taxes went from $25 a year to $10,000 a year, um, which, you know, just eliminated wineries and all that. And it just is really an interesting interview. He uh, talks about uh, what he's been doing all the years and how he's been fighting stuff and how he's been uh, trying to make it fair uh, within the state of Alabama. And he's an old Marine who retired from the Marines, and he is a big, big advocate of muscadine wine. He said it's the the American wine, our American grape, and we really should embrace it and make wines out of it and have it become number one. Why are we wasting our time on these French hybrids when we should be doing our own and so he goes on about that for a while here. But it's a, a good interview. Uh, really, check it out. Uncharted-Wines, unchartedwines.com. And you can um, look under the post where it says uh, interviews. It's, it, it's pretty long, but it's an easy read. Uh, and Jim Eddins and, of Paris. Perdido Vineyards, uh, and after you read that, you can also go back to the archive of us interviewing him, and really is uh, a good tie-in with the two of them if you do it that way. Okay, uh, let's go to uh, this one. Uh, this yeah, Chianti Classico. Chianti Classico is a small region in Italy. A small region. I mean, it really, it really isn't an enormous region, as is most of these areas are. But Chianti Classico is is dividing up into subzones, or UGAs, they're calling it, which actually stands for, and I will destroy this for you, but, you know, uh, Unita uh, Geographic uh, Agenutiv, or Additional Geographical Units. Uh, that's what it translated as. And it's going to name new areas that can produce County Classico, and there's uh, 500 County Classico producers voted 90% in favor of this proposal, so this is going to happen. Uh, the Black Rooster uh, is a legend of Gallo Negro logo. Uh, the County Classico is uh, allowed the Black Rooster on the bottles, and so this is going to distinguish and show people. And it has. I mean, if you they're looking for Cante Classico, you'll, you'll see it on the bottles. In fact, Mike mentioned going to an Italian restaurant. We went to a little local Italian restaurant called 
the uh, Gleaming Tower uh, here, uh, what was it, a week and a half ago, and we had some county there, and it had the rooster on it. I mean, it was actual. It, it shows you the county classical with that rooster on it. It's just sort of a, a cool way to designate that it was uh, official, legitimate. Uh, the um, UGA project uh, has been a priority for the last three years for the County Classical region, and uh, it has uh, grown to the point now where they are ready to put it into existence. Uh, at first, it was a challenge they're saying, and they had to divide it up and keep everybody happy, which, you know, you can't keep everybody happy. But the article said that they did a pretty good job of keeping everybody happy. It's positive for the entire denomination. It will help explain the diversity, they're saying, and it will uh, also uh, give people an opportunity to start understanding the different areas instead of just looking at county classical as one big old area that does these grapes. They'll be able to refer to the differences in the expression and the way the wines are made and all that, instead of just saying, well, this is a, a county from this area and that's it. Uh, the uh, county classical members have voted to accept changes to the grape variety regulations too within the Grand Silesian category. Uh, the minimum requirement for Sangiovese has been increased to 90% from 80%, which that's a lot there. I mean, the remaining 10% is limited to grapes that are native to the county classical area. And there is one, two, three, four, five, six of them listed here. And international grapes like Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot will no longer be permitted. So, uh, this is new specifications apply strictly to the Grand uh, Sezioni and not extend to the Reserva or the Annata wines. So uh, it's a higher Sangiovese and you're going to be able to tell the difference in it too in, in the taste and all that. Uh, the majority of County Classical Grand Sezioni wines already conform to these regulations. There are some outliers that are going to have to come up to the standards uh, because of the areas that they want to continue being the county classical. So it's just uh, new new regs and new standards that they're doing. Um, some of the winemakers were trying to pass the 100% Sangiovese, uh, but that has, well, because of climate change and because of the variances in the weather and all that and everything, they felt it was going to be too restrictive. And so they decided not to go 100%. They're taking it down to the 90%, which is still pretty pretty restrictive. And uh, the final step now is earning the approval by the Minister of Agriculture in Rome which could take up to a year, but that's a formality. And the hard part, they're saying it's done. You're probably going to be seeing new regulations in the county classical 
by 2023. So there you go. It's uh, uh, I thought that was interesting. Chianti Classico is a, a nice, nice wine, nice taste. And if you're not familiar with it, you really should get yourself familiar. Okay, let's go to the next one here. And this is champagne. Booming champagne. Quick read here, quick quick info for you. Champagne is coming back. And I say coming back simply because it took a nosedive during the COVID. It was down in almost all categories in COVID. The uh, worst month was the uh, 20, where champagne sales dropped by 67.9%. Wow, that's a lot. The next month, 55.9%. It just, for some, well, people not going out. No reason to celebrate. No reason to pop open a bottle of good bubbly. So they didn't. Now, there's reason again. April of this year, well, let's start March of this year, jumped up by 33%. April of this year, champagne sales jumped up by 200.1%. And in May, 155.5%. So it is making a comeback. People are starting to buy champagnes again. And I'm sure along with that, they're starting to buy uh, a other sparkling wines. One of the things that hurt, though, the economy has been great everywhere on Champagne, but the Suez Canal blockage. I, I'm sure you remember that when the when the boat went sideways in the Suez Canal. That hurt because Champagne was being shipped and they had to sit out in the water for a while, and it's not good because they were concerned about heat and the time is taking and all that. Usually it's a quick ride through the canal and you're there. So, But they survived that and uh, Champagne was 25 million bottles uh, 25 million bottles after World War II and in over 65 years it has gone to 300 million bottles uh, a year. So it's coming back to normal levels uh, before the COVID now, and people are starting to purchase champagne again, the true champagne. And again, I think all sparkling wines are probably in that category, not just champagne. Okay. This is something that, you know, if... if if you're interested in something like this, this is a fun little book to read. There's a new book out by a couple of guys in New Zealand, an Ian Harvey and a Dion Mundy. It's Great Vine Diseases of New Zealand, and it's dedicated to the identification and management of grapevine diseases in New Zealand. I get a chance to look at some of the articles and stuff in that book. I was able to get a... Um, a preview 
And interesting, really interesting. They uh, illustrate uh, photographs all over the place. They show the diseases. They show what causes it. Uh, about a fungus or fungi that uh, uh, they show, and it's really became uh, it's becoming a great teaching book in New Zealand. And a lot of those diseases apply to grapevines everywhere, not just in New Zealand. So. Uh, a great little book. It's uh, what is the actual name of it? Uh, book of Grapevine Diseases of New Zealand. Now I guess that's the name of Grapevine Diseases of New Zealand. Um, just if you're interested in, in that stuff and what can affect grapevines, uh, it's a constant battle. Uh, you, you probably don't notice it. I mean, vineyards are constantly battling all sorts of stuff, anywhere from bugs to uh, the mildew to all, well, you name it, fungus and everything else, and just all sorts of organisms can hit a grapevine and or the grapes. And this book talks about them and how to manage them. So I uh, thought, thought it was interesting myself, but of course, I've been in this business and done this, so of course I will think it's interesting. Okay. Uh, this next one here is uh, oh here we go this grapes and herbicide drift I, I've talked about this before there has been lawsuits around the world because of it uh, and it's something that is in the news again here this is out of Washington State uh, the uh, said that the you have to be careful it's been windy all around the country uh, the the heat has been holding stuff in but the the wind drift and stuff and the herbicide drift that can cause injury to grapes is something that is very serious you they they're they're warning everybody be sure you do not spray during a time when there's any bit of wind at all because it could drift last year was it or year before last a vineyard in France sued neighboring vineyard or neighboring crop because of drift from spraying there and got onto the grapevines and killed a bunch of grapevines so it's a serious thing but this is something I haven't seen brought up for a while. It's, it's something that uh, in, in the industry is uh, something you really have to be cautious of, not just on what you're spraying around for yourself, but also what you're spraying around for, well, you know, what's, what's spraying on anyone else. Uh, this is something I didn't know about. Sudden vine collapse. I hadn't heard of sudden vine collapse. I, I don't know why, it, but it's uh, hitting not just well, Central California. Uh, too late. It just uh, a year ago, a team of researchers, University of California, Davis were trying to understand what this sudden vine collapse was. And I don't know the full extent of the cause. Uh, a year later, 
some progress is being made, but it's still unexplained as why patches of grapevines are collapsing without apparent reason. Uh, some growers are losing as much as 30% of their vines over a year. And, you know, a loss of vines can be expected, but 30%, uh, these are stunted, dying, or dead vines. And uh, it's they don't know why. Uh, it's just... Uh, alarming they're saying uh, initial analysis a decade ago turned up the specific pathogens but it's not consistent throughout the vineyard anywhere it's just certain vine churn there and it shows uh, leaf row virus which can take a toll and all that but this sudden vine collapse is something that is concerning to a lot of vineyards because they still don't know what it is it has been found and documented uh, throughout the San Joaquin Delta and the coastal counties, which, you know, Monterey, Paso Ropo, stuff like that, Modesto, Fresno, Tulare, Kern counties. Um, some cases, the patches are so large that it can be seen by the Google Earth satellite. It's not just, you know, two or three, vineyard, or two or three vines, but a big bunch of the vineyard. Uh, they're trying to find out what is causing it. They don't know. Uh, they're saying virus-sensitive rootstock are uh, predisposed to root stress, which could cause some of this. But they've changed rootstock, and some of these vines aren't all on the same rootstock. It is different ones that are being tested and different ones that it's showing up on. Uh, no cure for the grapevine viruses now or in the foreseeable future, says uh, Dr. Stephanie Bolton, who is uh, at the Lodi Wine Growers uh, Association. There's financial assistance to the USDA, but uh, you need to remove the leaf row virus infected vineyard before you can put a new one in, and it takes time to grow a new one. So it's a concern. Uh, I will continue to monitor this for you and let you know what's going on. But this is something I just heard about. I, I didn't know this was happening with the grapevines. This is dated here July the 20th, uh, 24th. So uh, just a few days ago. So I'll try to keep an eye on this situation of, of sudden vine collapse uh, don't know what's causing it or what it is so I'll, I'll, I'll make a note of that and we'll follow that up in the future here uh, okay uh, let's see and uh, a new sparkling, the story of champagne, new film to be released. Uh, this is wine and film fans in the UK will be able to see sparkling, the story of champagne in select theaters now. And the U.S. debut for is planned for August the 13th. And it's a documentary film set to launch in several other countries, too. And it is a uh, 
promising plenty of anecdotes and a few revelations uh, about France's world-famous champagne. So it should be an interesting movie. It's, it says to go in to a behind-the-scenes footage and talk about the uh, champagne business and how it's made and, and interviews with people and all sorts of stuff. It looks interesting. I'm personally looking forward to it. It, it seems like it could be a very interesting movie. It is available in England now. I think they said Australia too now, but not yet in the United States. Uh, yeah, release in Australia and New Zealand is already out, and the U.S. and Scandinavia is set for August. Uh, and then uh, Israel, it should hit them in sometime in September. So, uh, new movie about champagne called Sparkling. The story of champagne, and it says here. And I just saw something. I wanted to pass on. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Here we go. Uh, journalists Don and P.D. Cladstrup, who are the authors of the book Wine and War, are interviewed about this so this should be interesting too the ones that we talked to so this is a new movie coming out about champagne like i say i'm looking forward to it. it looks like it could be a very informative book if you want to know more or movie if you want to know more about champagne without a doubt this is the movie that you need to see uh 88 minutes running time so not quite an hour and a half uh, but Sparkling, the Story of Champagne is the name of it. And let's see, where is something else here? That uh, where is it? Well, I had a note here and I can't find where it is. Oh, there it is. New round of battles with the glassy-winged sharpshooter. Oh, my gosh, it just won't go away. Uh, the glass-winged sharpshooter is now in San Joaquin Valley 20 years ago, and they've held the line, but it's starting to pick up again. And they said they can't stop. It is something that they have to continue to monitor. Uh, in Temecula, thousands of acres uh, were affected by the glass-winged sharpshooter transmitting Pierce disease. And it's getting worse. It's an infestation as far north as Sacramento County that were caught early and stopped. But San Joaquin Valley and the treatment efforts were aimed at suppression, not eradication, because there have been so many there. So it has been an ongoing problem. But Pierce disease and glasswing sharpshooter raising its ugly head in California, uh, even more so. We here in the southern states know how that is. We battled it and we're doing it all the time. But it's just uh, starting to 
wear on them in California continuously and it's not done yet so so uh, let's see what uh, okay I want a couple more things I want to talk about here before we leave for this is that one yeah I think so uh Yes, here we go. Florida retailer asked Supreme Court to review adverse Eighth Circuit decision upholding Missouri's retail shipping laws. This caught my eye because I'm from Missouri and I live in Florida. What's happened is the Supreme Court ruled a while back that you can't limit in-state shipping from other states because it's against the Commerce Clause. Well, a Missouri a Missouri Eighth Court said, no, you can. We aren't allowing different states to ship here. Florida says, what? That's not right. You should, because the Supreme Court says you should. And the Missouri court says, well, I don't care what the Supreme Court says. This is our rule. So they're asking, Florida's asking the Supreme Court to rule again on this and to slap the hand of Missouri and say, hey, you know, when we say something, that doesn't mean that you can just change the, the rules again. And so that's what we're looking at. Uh, it's ongoing, always, always ongoing. There's always something, and it's this one is Florida want to ship stuff in Missouri, Missouri, and saying no, you can't because we're not going to let you. And Florida's saying, well, the Supreme Court says we can, and Missouri says, I don't care what the Supreme Court says, we're not going to let you. So September, they're hoping that the courts will hear it, but you never know. Uh, the Supreme Court decides on just so few cases, and when they do, they... But this might make it, because it's a lower court going against what the Supreme Court said that they should be doing, and that might make a difference if them listening to it sooner or not. So, uh, but... In the past nine years, here you go, there have been over 2,000 changes to state alcohol laws around the country. So, uh, you know, it's it's an ongoing thing. It's something that, you know, we can, people have dedicated their whole lives to following up on this stuff and doing this stuff. We're not going to, but I'll pass on the bit of information that I can get on this. So there we go. We're some information tonight to quite a bit for me. And uh, as it seems to be customary every week, I did disconnect again. So uh, did you? I guess I, I don't see because I'm, you know, <laughs> yeah, you're on another screen. Uh, yeah. yeah. YouTube and Facebook took a little uh, time out for uh, 30 seconds or less and uh, joined right back in again. So there we are. Wow. Yeah. Know what's going on? But, uh, oh well. Uh, 
great technology we have. Yeah. So, wow, that's just amazing. It just seems like y'all don't notice it, but every week Mike tends to leave us for a minute or two and then come back. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's like he's got to take a potty break or something. I don't know. I just um, let me. One other thing here I want to talk about quickly. Uh, they ask wine pros. I say they. This is what magazine what article is this out of this is out of vine pear uh vine pear does a whole bunch of stuff on wine but they ask a bunch of polls what are the worst trends in wine right now and this these are directors of liquid at restaurants these are sommeliers around the country these are vice presidents and presidents of shipping companies and uh, masters of wine and you know People with all the little letters after the name of all the stuff that they have earned. And the worst trends in wine right now is hating on natural wine. And people do. They hate natural wine. And natural wine is basically wine. natural. Worst trend right now, diet wine. <laughs> yeah, really. Wine apps. Ooh, they don't like wine apps. Low-carb and low-sugar wines. Confusion about the term red blends. Manufactured in wine. Hmm. Clean wine. Natural wine without a holistic approach. Complicated corkscrews. And finally, wine professionals who don't consider budget. So that's just what they're saying that right now these are the worst worst trends. I there's some of those in there that I have to give a big thumbs up to, but uh it's uh the worst trends in wine right now. So uh I wanted to throw that out. That was just a quick one there. Yeah. Absolutely. Um we are at uh eight ten PM on wow. July the twenty 20- yeah, we will uh, <laughs> win it overtime. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we talked okay, a bit at the beginning, so yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah we, you know, a lot yeah. of a lot of the beginning was not about wine, but uh, that True. happens sometimes. Um, many a we time. Will, yeah. Many times. <laughs> we will return just the fifth, uh, which is a week from today, August the fifth, and uh, seven p.m. Eastern time again. And uh, as always, thank you for joining us and uh, tuning in. And if you have any comments or feedback, please do email the show. That goes right to Ron, but you can email anytime, allaboutwine101 at gmail.com. And if you need to miss it, if you missed it for some reason, you just play it back over and over as many times as you need to That's get it. the email address. Yeah, yeah. just do that and uh, the show and, you know, um, see we can – all right, I will uh, – and if, run. if you're not mm-hmm. following us on Facebook, do so. Yeah. Uh, we never tell you, uh, you, but, you know, follow us on Facebook. Yeah. Facebook, we Twitter, online um, BTR on yeah, both of those. Yeah. We don't flood <laughs> you with stuff. It's just, you know, just punch a like in there and Maybe. follow us. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, show announcements, uh, and uh, every once in a while I'll put something on Facebook, uh, some kind yeah. of 
thing I found. Me too. So, yeah, Every once in a while, I'll throw something right. up there. Yeah. Yep. Anytime yeah. you hear them say, uh, oh, I'm going to post this uh, article, and then there it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, oh. so you need to know more about So, yep, do it. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Thanks again. Have a safe weekend and a week ahead, and uh, return with us next Thursday. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Be safe. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash all about wine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. All about wine. Uh, I guess we're up. Okay. Oh.